Today's guest is Tanique Hay, and she started her business three years ago. And if you do your sums correctly, then you will have calculated that this was just before the start of the pandemic. When you add to that drama the concept of running an events-based business where real people meet to do business, then it's possible that your life's work can be over before you've begun. However, Tanique has lived to tell the tale, and if you want to know more about how she did it, and if you are holding an event, and what tips she can offer you, then join us after the introduction. You might be able to learn more. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Koch, and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were, and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time, as well as asking them to pick a book, a film, and a favourite single or album, and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at The Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. Hello, Tanique, and welcome to the Cashflow Show. Hello, thank you for having me. You are most welcome. Obviously, our audience has got a brief glimpse of who you are and what you do. Can you tell them exactly what your business does? So, hello, everyone. My name is Tanique Hay, and I am the proud owner of Hay Events. I help entrepreneurs and small business owners plan impactful online and offline events to help increase their brand awareness. So what Hey Events offers is a done-for-you full event planning service from finding a venue to sourcing the right suppliers for your event to actually doing the logistics from doing the floor plan to the event schedule to actually managing the event on the day. So for me, my main priority is in ensuring that my clients help save on time, money and on expensive resources and most importantly, feeling stress-free during, before and after their event. Excellent. So... This business, as we've alluded to in the intro, is this your first business? Yes, it is my first business. I originally wanted to become a chef. <laughs> um, I'm from the yeah, I'm from the Caribbean, so I've always had that entrepreneur mindset. I've always watched um, Sir Alan Sugar on The Apprentice, so entrepreneur was just in my blood. Um, and yes, yeah, so I start, I wanted to become a chef and own my own Caribbean restaurant. I knew the location, I knew who was going to do what in my family, and I was seven years old. Um, but then I thought, mm, I don't want to cook when I'm at work and go home when I'm at work, um, go home and cook. So I, thought, mm, I can't do that. Um, but then, yeah, fast forward now, um, I have my own business. So, yeah, this is my first business. I feel like one of many because I'm always thinking of new creative ideas of how I can solve people's problems. But, yeah, to answer your question, this is my first business. Wow. So, you know, so were you basically telling everybody in the kitchen what they what you wanted them to do and how you wanted them to do it? <laughs> Yeah, so that's where my, I think, my event management side come along. Yeah, so I'll be like, okay, my mum will do the mac and cheese. My dad will do the logistics. So if we need to hire in any furniture, my dad's got a van. My sister's very creative, so she'll be doing the marketing and social media. So I had that all intact by the age of seven. So so didn't they ask you how you were going to pay them? (laughs) With love, I said, with love. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know something, that's a good good way to start off with, if nothing else. I love that. I love it. So you're saying it's your first business. You are sort of influenced by things like The Apprentice. So you're a younger person. Most of the people that we have on Cashflow Show are usually well-versed in business. What was it that was happening on The Apprentice that appealed to you in terms of wanting to be a business owner? 
Um, for me, it's those entrepreneurs having that drive and that determination that they're going to do all that all that they can in a task to win that money, that two hundred fifty thousand, and um, to win that partnership with Sir Alan Sugar, who's got years of experience that can help leverage up their business. Um, so for me, yeah, it's just and also the tasks. I think I'm very task orientated and I'm quite managerial in that sense in terms of like everything has to be organised. But I love to put myself in a situation on that task and what I would do in that situation and how I would cope with different challenges and obstacles within each um, situation. Um, but yeah, I think it's more of the determination and drive and I, I could appeal to many people on The Apprentice. Because I had that drive and determination to have my own business and be my own boss. Um, but I love every minute of it. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> Do you know something? The Apprentice was good for about, the, as far as I was concerned, for about the mm. first three or four. I think there was a guy called Lee. Lee, I mean, he's maybe Lee Jackson or something. I can't remember what the gentleman's name was. However, when he went on there, and I don't know if it was him or somebody in the same episode, he lied on his CV. Oh. And they found out that he'd lied on his CV. And if I remember correctly, and, and, and people listening in the Cashflow crew, you'll, you'll have to remind me and let me know in comments and, and other areas if I've got it completely wrong or on socials. It, well, he basically told a lie about his university status, this chap. And he basically said that he'd gone to a certain university, they'd done their background checks, he hadn't been anywhere near it, or he hadn't graduated or qualified. And they still gave him the title of The Apprentice. And on the first day he was due to start, he phoned in sick. And I thought, sorry? I said, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So mm, I, I thought I, it was then it was starting to get into a show that to me is not much about business per se. It's more about if you wanted to be, the people that wanted to be on the on the Apprentice wanted to be influencers before influencers came onto Instagram. That's true, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, yeah, and that's that's what I noticed with um uh, the Apprentice now. It's about people who don't really seem to be that interested in business because, mm. to be totally honest, as Alan Sugar always used to say, is that why would you come and work for me? It's true. You know, because I wouldn't work for anybody. Why would you come and work for me? I think it's very, very interesting how it comes about, how people people get onto The Apprentice. And I think a lady, I think where it all went a bit sour for The Apprentice as as a TV show was when the lady, and I don't know if you were around to see the episode where the lady got, she won mm. and she claimed that she had nothing to do and that she was bored. Now, oh. they, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said she was <laughs> bored and that basically took Alan Sugar to a tribunal. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, yeah, there's a backstory to this. Yeah, we'll do a bit of research afterwards and you'll notice that it's it's not what you think it is. But I, for me, the concept is I'm not working for Alan Sugar. Alan Sugar's got an investment in my business. So it's more of I see Alan Sugar as a mentor. Okay, Tanique, this is what you need to do to help level up Hay Events. So when when I'm looking at apprentices, it's more, okay, I've got that 250000 I'm invested in Hay Events. He, yes, he has a share in my business. But he doesn't have the last say. He's helping me to elevate pay events. Correct. But that's how it changed. Because before, you would actually be working for Alan Sugar. Oh. And because this lady okay. took him to the industrial tribunal, that okay. was why the reason why it all went a bit pear-shaped and effectively oh, okay. said, I'm not getting stung like that again, mate. So oh, okay. at the end, that's why he invests in your business now, oh, as opposed okay. to you working for him. Okay. 
So it's, it's very interesting. So we're going to move aside from that. You know, events, it's a wide ranging area. You know, a lot of people do events. A lot of businesses are involved in events. What would you describe as your specialities when it comes to events? I would say attention to detail and the logistics side of events and planning impactful events um, that can um, help you to increase your brand awareness and grow your community. Um, so the types of events that I love to do is um, conferences, networking events, product launches, because um, I'm very um, creative in that sense. So when a client comes to me with a brief, I can close my eyes and visualise how the event will go from start to finish. So that way I'm able to search for those venues that will best appeal to my client's event and actually do the logistics. So honing in on the attention to detail of what can we do to ensure that this event is elevated to the next level to bring that type of experience to um, the event attendees. That's interesting because for me, you mentioned networking events. And I've been to a few of those in my time. And that, because um, mm. a lot of people are probably going to be listening to this and think to themselves, this lady started her business during a pandemic. Mm. So, what was that like for you? Because at that point, there was no networking, but we'll come back to networking in a minute. Um, it was really hard given that I never knew about virtual events and that wasn't my skill set. So, when I started Hey Events, the main focal point was live events in-person experience so when the global pandemic hit yes I had anxiety yes I had fear yes I had doubt given that I didn't know what to do next so what I had to do was use those worries those doubts to drive resilience of gaining that virtual event skill set so that I'm able to um, provide it to my clientele which yes the pandemic was um, a sad time for the event industry but enabled me to gain that skill of virtual and hybrid which is a mixture of virtual um, and in-person so I can put that on my portfolio and say, this is what I can do, this is what I can deliver. So yes, it was hard. Um, I did want to give up, but I didn't because I always remembered my why. The reason why I started Hay Events and I'm not going to allow this pandemic to stop me from walking in my purpose. So that was my main focus point, my why at the, at the time of the pandemic. That's interesting to me because I see that you've concentrated on the using the why mm. and that that's quite a recent phenomenon that you hear in businesses that people mm -hmm. are saying you've got to come back and talk about your why yeah. um and you know that is a is a good starting point and I think the fact is you, you've gone into an area which seems to me to be very dependent on people when mm. you saw all those businesses having to close and being sort of effectively locked down how did that make you feel <laughs> Scared, anxious, worried, concerned, because like you said, events is all about people. So if people are scared not to come out and do a live event or are very anxious and conscious um, about the pandemic, then it's going to have a knock-on effect on my business, Hey Events, because that's what it was. It revolves around events, equal people. And yeah, without people, you can't have an event. Exactly. So you were there, very anxious, very scared. How did you get over that? What what tricks did you use? What did you sort of you meditate or did you start, you know, reading self-help books? How, <laughs> how um, did you I got manage? On, yeah, um, so I got a business coach specialising in events, events management, who really helped me gain clarity on the strategies and the next steps that I needed to take to elevate myself out of this situation, out of the pandemic, so that I can attract more clients. So I would say having a business coach has really been helpful. 
also friends and family as well, supportive friends and family. And I wrote down my thoughts as well in the journal. And I'm quite religious as well. So, yeah, so I was, yeah, heavily supportive in terms of my religious background and, yeah, just journaling and also the support of my business coach. So would you recommend a business coach to somebody who's starting off at your stage? Yeah, I really want to niche down because there's so many business coaches that do so many different things. But because I'm in the event industry, I really wanted to get a business coach who specialises in event businesses. So yeah, I would advise getting a business coach if you're starting out on your business journey. And I find her through Instagram and the power of Instagram social media. So I did my due diligence and just researched into her. Um, And yeah, we aligned. We um, had the same values. I connected with her. Also, it's very important to be able to connect with your business a mentor but yes yeah, so I would advise because it, it helped me a lot it helped me lay the foundation of my business and yeah to help me progress uh, post the pandemic so the question that a lot of people might be thinking is you have been dealing with events for quite a few years mm-hmm. previous to you actually taking on the role as the founder of hey events how do you make the perfect event what do you mean by how do I, as in like the elements involved of making a big event? Yeah. What do you think they are? Of making a good event that make that people go away and say, wow, you know, I went to such and such and such a do and it was done by Hey Event and it was really good. I would say, first of all, whenever you want to start planning a successful event, always think about your purpose. What is the main purpose of planning that event? And then from there, this is why I always start with my client. What is your main purpose and objective? So that way from that, I'm able to effectively plan um, an event that is meaningful, everlasting and creative. And also experience is very important. What are the things that we're going to implement into an event um, that adds an added experience? So I think about the five, um, our five senses. So taste, sight, smell, hair, um, feel. And I incorporate that to my client's event. So from taste, what type of tasting are we going to have? The, the feel in terms of the, the products that you have, um, the furniture, because people are feeling it. Um, in terms of the hearing, what type of entertainment are we going to do? What type of music, background music, the smell? Um, so I think experience is very, very important and captivating um, the client through an, an effective experience. Um, so I think having that experience, having that purpose, the reason why you want to plan an event and having support of an event planner to help you to, successfully execute that event and she's also on the day of the event to make sure everything runs smoothly so those I would say um, is supportive of a large and effective and successful event right so what do you think people get wrong about events <laughs> um not understanding what the event attendees want what is the reason why they will attend that event and also marketing is quite most people get a uh, marketing wrong um they don't have enough time to market the event and then they get upset when there's no ticket sales at the event. You need to have a strategy behind how you're going to market the event in order to attract these people to buy your tickets and to attend your event. What is the main reason? What are they going to benefit from planning attending your event? What is the value that they're getting? So I think the biggest mistake is not leaving enough time to heavily market your event in order for you to sell those tickets in order for people to come to your event. So that's what I would say. Yeah, that's very true because I've seen that happen a lot over the years because obviously being an entrepreneur for now, was it, 20 years, I've been to a lot of events and there's some events that have been so sweet you can't forget them years later because I remember back in the day they used to have events, there used to be one company called Business Link 
and Business mm. Link used to cover the whole of London and effectively all your business mentors would be under there and they used to have these events and these events were amazing. You pay £25, you can have as much drink as you want, as much food That's as you good. want. It was amazing. That's it was, and, and people that I met there, I still know now today. I love that, yeah. And that, that was, it was amazing. Those were amazing times. If I see you, I'll sit down and tell you about them and I'll show you people. That, <laughs> they were there. They were there. They were there. They can tell you. And, I you know, yeah, it, it's, it, as I said, they were organized incredibly well. They were, you know, the food was right. The, the amount of pe people were right. Everything was done properly. And that, that's something that you can't ever get away from. But, Let's look at the fact of when you see a lot of events, the ones that work, work really well. But what I notice with events is that, you know, as a person who's an attendee, you go in there, you go into the lift and they say the event's on the fifth floor and you walk yeah. in and then you're meeting by the lady and it's always a lady and we'll come back to that at the table and she's in charge of the name badges and she and you know I usually tease them mercilessly because I usually say to them guess which one I am <laughs> which is very cruel but I'm uh, I, sticking to time you get your badge and then go in to get cocktails and canapes <laughs> one of the things that I do notice is that when you come to the end of the night you may get 15 10 12, 17, whatever, badges of people who didn't come. Why do you think there are so many people that drop out of events? Mm, it could be several reasons. Um, sometimes you get a lot of dropout if the event is free. That's why I try and push my clients to do paid events because people um, are dedicated and because they've paid for that ticket and they know what they're getting from that event, they will attend. But it's, it's several reasons. Um, it could be unforeseen circumstances that people don't attend um, but I mostly see that dropouts through free events because people just pay for it without even or just I mean um, sign up for it without even thinking about it and that, when it comes to it oh yeah I don't want to go yeah. um, so I, I see that more um, with free events as opposed to paid events No it's very true I mean I've done some events in terms of our business and mm. those events aren't necessarily meant to they're, they're meant to reward the people that work with us they're meant mm. to reward the people that basically support us and people who we know are good networkers and they will then meet with other people who are good networkers and they'll do business and mm. that's that's what we enjoy but the fact is you get people sort of calling you an hour before the event saying oh sorry I can't make it or um, I've got this mm. or my dog's died or my cat's died or <laughs> yeah. I've died, you know, one of the things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it, it is interesting, but I, I'm, I'm always fascinated at the high level of dropouts. But as you said, when people have paid for something, you don't want to let 25, 30, 35 yeah. quid go down, go down the loo, I suppose. I read somewhere about Samuel L. Jackson, the actor. Um, uh, obviously, he's been in, you know, things like Pulp Fiction and many, many other films. But one of the things that he said was about goodie bags. And I want to try, uh, try and find out how important goodie bags are to an yeah. event. Because <laughs> now this is serious stuff. This is, <laughs> this is serious stuff. <laughs> Be 
Because Samuel L. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson says, as far as he's concerned, he's not going anywhere. Oh, no, he's not presenting any awards unless he gets a goodie bag. Because as far as he's concerned, there's no point in putting being famous if you can't get free stuff. <laughs> so, to me, the events that you also remember are the ones that have got good stuff. Yep. You know, I've I've got a you know I've got a friend of mine, and Laura Ann. I'm not going to mention her last name, but um, she. I'm going to shoot now. I'm going to tell you what I know. Laura Ann Williams. I'll grass her up. <laughs> She's a wonderful woman. But when yeah. we get together, we go and we check out all the swag that they've got at an event. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, the ones that I remember the best are the ones with the best quality swag and the best quality food and drink. Simple as that. And I just wanted to know, has that ever been a feature of the work that you've done where people either didn't want to pay for, for goodie bags or didn't want to supply them or didn't benefit as a result of, of, of not having them supplied? Or no, didn't it matter? It, all of my clients factor in a goodie bag and the quality of food and the service. Because um, like you said, people come to an event, they want to take something away, like a freebie or something. They went to an event and they want to take away something. And yes, that's just added value on their event. So I always push for either a goodie, goodie bag, something branded so people can take away. So at my business launch, I had a branded gift bags. Um, and also I did like a photo booth. So every time someone takes a picture, they had my logo on it so they can take that away. But I always emphasise having a goodie bag or something that you can add value to an event so people can take away because they'll remember it. Like, oh, yeah, I got this from an event. And then from that, like, oh, what was the event about? And then they'll tell, tell the person about it. And then they like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Let me research into how events or let me research into so forth, if that makes sense. So it's a starting conversation as well and something valuable, tangible that people can take away. So I think it's very important to implement something that someone can take away, um, like gift bags and ensure that the quality of the food is of high standards. So people are coming, they want to be entertained, essentially. So I always remember good food and drink when I turn to an event as well as gift bags. Yeah, it is very interesting because I suppose I saw a gentleman um, and he did a post on LinkedIn saying that businesses sometimes rob themselves because they don't supply a decent pen or they don't supply, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I've got yeah. pens here, that, you know. Okay, let's have a look. At, I'm going to pick one out here out of my thing. Who's this from? Hardwick & Co. I don't know who, I can't remember who they are, but I've got their pen here, so I remember <laughs> something about them. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it, it's it's one of those things where ultimately you know, branding is very, very important to businesses. And the event that you have is a heavy, heavy form of branding. Would you would you say that to be the case? Yes, 100%. Yeah, events is a form of increasing your brand awareness. So you do all that you can to ensure that your event is branded so people can remember it. For example, you said something like a pen, maybe have branded pens because I'm holding a pen right now from a solicitor that I got from an exhibition event. So I'm holding it right now and I've got their bag as well. So I'm always looking at the pen and seeing their name. So that's another thing, you're increasing that brand awareness. Um, so I think, yeah, branding is very, very important to an event. Exactly. So, but what I wanted to talk about before we take a little break is why is events such a female-populated space? <laughs> 
Oh, am I right in that, first, first yeah, of all? I'll say, I'll say at least 80% of um, the event industry is female. I'm not too sure why. Um, there's not Maybe males are not as organised as females, I don't know. <laughs> no. um, oh. I don't know. It's, it's not appealing to, to, um, to men, I guess. It's just not appealing to men. Because when I did my events management degree at the University of Hertfordshire, there was only like two men. And then when I went to um, the University of Hertfordshire to do um, a keynote speaking for final year students, there was only two men as well. And one of the gentlemen came up to me and said, and I said, oh, how come you're doing events management? He was like, oh, because his mum runs a successful events management company and he wants to take it. Uh, so I love that. He was like, yeah, I want to take it over. So I just want a degree in it. So that way he actually can pass it over to me and I can take over the business. And I said, I love that. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I'm not too sure why. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure why. <laughs> but like, maybe guys, it's not their field. It's not their area of expertise. It's not something they want to do, like plan a wedding or plan a conference. It's not, yeah, it's not appealing. Yeah, but maybe, as I said, maybe guys are not that organised. It's, it's very difficult. Exactly. No, it's, it's very difficult to organise things with guys. It really is. If I'm going to organise something with my friends and we're going to meet up, We'd planned to meet up sometime in April. And at the end of the day, it was everything was cool. We booked this in December, January. <laughs> so what could possibly go wrong? Somebody goes, oh, sorry, I can't make it. I've got another plan. And I'm thinking, how could you have had a plan three or four weeks ago, or three or four months ago, and not told anybody? Why, what is this? You know? But... Yeah, I do agree with you. I think organising, sorry guys, I've I got to let you down here, man. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I've got to speak frankly because yeah. organising with things with men is really quite difficult. It's challenging, yeah. um, to say the least. So yes, I can see why that would be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's challenging because I used to work in a venue where we used to plan events um, and weddings. So it's very rare to find a man that will take the lead of the wedding planning. So whenever I get that, I was like, wow, this is this is quite weird. And they're normally organised, the ones that take over. Um, so it's very rare to get a, a gentleman who <laughs> wants to plan an event or his own wedding. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, when you do want to plan that, people find it very strange. But you think if, if a guy does plan his own wedding, he knows where the, this money is going out of control because exactly. weddings <laughs> yeah. w w weddings are the most overpriced, most overdone things whatsoever. And uh, w weddings are great for, for, for event planners, but I just think that I think weddings are a big con. I think now, I think at the end of the day, no, I think weddings are a big con. I think the problem is, is that what's the average cost of a wedding? Let's sidetrack here. It could be, um, my clients spend from 15k to maybe 30k. Right. So, so you met working in a wedding venue, that's how much they were spending um, when I was doing the end um, invoice. And that's quite a lot. And I had a I had a wedding couple who spent ten no a thousand pounds on their wedding cake, and at the end of the day, she's like, "Yeah, I don't want it. You can give it to the you can give it to um the staff members. I just don't want it. We're going on holiday, so it's not needed." And it was just a thousand pounds for that that cake, and you're not gonna have to take it home. Wow. <laughs> so uh, I thought, yeah, that that's not yeah. I'm gonna be very strategic when I get married. With love comes some responsibility, and anybody who's spending thirty grand, you need. You need that for your mortgage. <laughs> exactly. You need to put that. 
You need that for your mortgage. You don't need that for your grand for, you know, for, for the wedding. You need for, for the mortgage. Because when you start living together and you're stuck in that house together and you can't move because you can't pay the mortgage and, and so on and so forth, that's when you start to get on each other's nerves. So, um, yeah, as I said, that's why I, I've wanted to ask your opinion. I wanted to ask what the value is. 30 grand. Hi. Oh, my God. Gee whiz. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, this love business is expensive. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> the Cash Flow Show, coming to you from the city of London. Real people, real business, real talk. We're going to get onto the section that we call What Are You Like? And this is where we discuss the type of things that you're reading, the type of films that you may be watching, and the type of music that you may be listening to, and just generally your favourites. So I don't know if you remember what you wrote on your questionnaire when you first signed up for the cash flow show, but I'm going to try and see if I can prompt your memory. Do you remember the book that you chose? The book that you chose was Launch by Jeff Walker. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've got it right here. <laughs> so, so what's that about? I, I don't know that book. So please share it with me. It's all about launching um, an online digital product. So at the moment I'm currently launching... Um, an ebook about how to master event planning six and four steps, um, as well as I've got an online learning video about event planning. So it's just the process of how can you um, launch uh, your digital product from an idea um, to the actual end result, if that makes sense. So the different stages in terms of using email marketing and enticing people and telling people or prompting it, I've got something coming up, stay tuned. There's more of a launch strategy process, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And how have you found the book so far? Yeah, it's good so far. Yeah, yeah. It's very informative um, and there's lots of different steps for me to take, actionable steps that I can take. And I've been highlighting um, quite a few pages. But yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, I find it very informative. <laughs> it's helping me. So. Cool. So you also mentioned, and I don't know if this was another selection, a book called Networking for Your Business. Yes, I love that. I've got another one here. <laughs> so who's that, who's that by? Um... So it's Will Kintish. Okay, I don't know that so one. Networking, the survival guide. I love it because um, when I so I created um, Hey Events in 2018. So um, that was that I created on Instagram. Then I get got a logo together, and my strategy was to increase my awareness of Hey Events through going to networking events. I didn't know how to approach networking events. When you go to a room, it's quite daunting when people are huddled in different groups and you're by yourself. So I really wanted to get a book of how to master um, networking and what you need to do in terms of networking and the strategies in place. And I loved every minute of the book. Okay. Uh, it, the strategy was go in a room and you see someone else who's quite timid and shy, approach them, talk to them. And then from there, you guys can move into another group. So, oh, can we join this group? Because everyone's always welcoming. Can we join this group? And then you join the group. And then once you're done, you leave another group and see, um, overhear the conversation of another group and then step in and say, oh, yeah, this is my it so different strategies you've got to analyze the room and i love it i'm all about analyzing yeah <laughs> all, all things analytical and stuff like that so i love it <laughs> it's interesting because networking has changed dramatically because when i first started the only kind of networking events really were people bni stuff um which had established itself in those very sort of quite strict ways and you've got federation of small businesses so they were business orientated groups and then sort of independent groups started to pick up 
and then people were having their own kind of networking events. And it's interesting, you're approaching networking, coming into it from 2018 going onwards, whereas I started in 2000 and oh, wow. watched networking turn into this big money-making situation where everybody's cat and dog at a network, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it was it was fascinating. And I think some of the, the strategies that you mentioned do apply still. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know how many people, the cash flow crew and other listeners are, are finding that strategy w- working for them in getting one person and then bringing them along and then bringing yeah, another person. Yeah. I tend not to, I wouldn't necessarily work that worker room in that particular okay. fashion. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I think that's quite a good strategy. Um, I think it's, I think it depends on the type of environment that you're in. If you're going to be dealing with people who are doing marketing and events, I think that most of those people will be quite out there. I I'm in rooms where it's mostly lawyers and and doctors and professional mm-hmm. service, and they tend to be a bit more reserved. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. tend to be a bit more reserved, and that's yeah. what I find interesting. But I think networking is a way of establishing you as an individual I think is very very important very important and I think that to you know as a younger person doing that I think that's brilliant because I think a lot of people get locked into this I'll talk to you on zoom or social media yeah 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 yeah. I mean (laughs) yeah yeah that, that that for me is you're not building a real relationship with that person it's like, you know, I've got 500 Facebook or I've got, a fa- I don't use Facebook, by the way, but I've got 500 Facebook friends or a thousand Facebook friends. It ultimately means nothing unless you then basically build a relationship with them. And I think in networking, I think it really is important to show people you're still alive, be that your business is still going. Because when people don't see you, you soon drop off the radar. Yeah. So yeah, it well well done. I think it's a you know it's a, a good step because people need to know who you are as an individual. So, and in the what are you like section, you've also chosen some music, which is interesting. So you you chose two artists, and I don't know if you remember who those two artists are. Um, did I Donnell Jones? Yes, you did. You chose Donnell Jones, which is good. You chose My Heart, the album My Heart, which was from 1996. And the other (laughs) album was Life Goes On, which is 2002. Yeah. And following in 2003, you chose Jagged Ed. Sorry, Jagged Edge, you chose. Yeah, yeah, which was, that was quite interesting because both of those, or those three albums, if you like, are really sort of little late 90s, early 2000s R&B. And yeah, it was, I was quite impressed with that, actually, to be honest with you. Thank you. <laughs> I think so, because my dad, um, my dad, yeah, he used to play all the time um, in his car. Like, so me and my sisters know each word, yeah, <laughs> um, each album. Um, each song, he loved it. He, he's old school, lovers rock. He loved things like this as well, um, reggae. Um, but yeah, he heavily loved Jagged Edge and Donald Jones. So me yeah. and my sister, that's all we, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love that. I love both of those albums, all three albums. Um, so yeah, I may, even though I was born in 1992, um, I grew up listening to all of this because of my dad. So my dad's got heavy in the type of music I listen to. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> cool. Excellent. Excellent. And you've also chosen as your film, you chose Dream Girls, <laughs> which is which is brilliant. But you know, I've you got know. another one. Oh, yeah. Dream oh, oh, yeah. And um, Dream Girls is one of them, but the other one was self-made. If you remember, it was all about a lady called Madame C. J. Walker. She was okay. the first um, African American to be the first female self-made millionaire. It was a Netflix film. That was really, really good. Okay. Uh, I love the fact that we saw her journey of, despite all those closed doors that she had, she didn't take no for an answer and she was resilient and her motivation and her drive led her on to be a self-made millionaire um, selling beauty products for um, black Afro-Caribbean, for black hair. Um, she had a product for growth, for like hair growth. Um, I loved every minute of it. You've described you've described um, this, the self-made um, featuring the story of Madam C.J. Walker, yeah. but your show previously referred to Dream Girls, which was based on the Broadway musical, and that made a star out of Jennifer Holiday. Yeah. Um, and there's a, no, a lot. Oh, Jennifer Hudson. My apologies. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you're absolutely right. I put Jennifer Holiday, the other R&B singer. <laughs> So I'm still locked into R&B. Thank you very much for that. Dream Girls. Dream Girls is supposed to be based on the story of the Supremes, Dinah Ross and the Supremes. And uh, yeah. basically, uh, I think the Jennifer Hudson character, she's the Florence Ballard character. And Florence yeah. Ballard, I think if I remember correctly, was either the lead singer or the better singer in the Supremes. But she got pushed out. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the reason why Jennifer Hudson plays that particular part. So it's very interesting. So it's interesting that you chose that. And why did you particularly choose that one? I love singing. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I love the emotional, um, yeah, emotional story behind Dream Girls. Um, yeah, I love I like Beyonce. I love Jennifer Hudson. Um, but ultimately, I love singing. That's one of my passions as well. <laughs> I love. Okay. Cool. Let's get back to events. Now, events have undergone massive changes and we've detailed some of them in terms of networking and people using Zoom and other platforms as a means of, of sort of circumventing getting out and meeting people. What do you think needs to change in the event space for it to survive 2022, the 2000s or 2022 and beyond? Because we're always seeing new trends, um, in particular implementing a digital side um, to events. Um, so just continue to elevate our uh, creativity and innovation um, to attract many different types of audiences. Um, but I would say that something needs to change in terms of diversity. There's not a lot of uh, diversity within the event industry and not many black event professionals are being showcased for the level of work and their um, services to the event industry. So I feel like the diversity needs to be ramped up within the event industry and um, going to an event and you're seeing the same old panellists. I like to see a diverse, diversity within the panellists um, when going to the event industry. So the only thing I'll say would change, what that needs to change, which I feel like is slowly progressing, um, is the diversity and inclusion within the event industry. When you go to most events, they're usually run by the same people or the same group yeah. of people. Yeah. 
I, I noticed that. And obviously you being within this industry, you noticed that too. So I think there are a lot of black events. That means of people of African and or, or Caribbean yeah. backgrounds. So there are a lot of those events that exist. However, I think a lot of those events aren't mainstream events. Mm -hmm. So therefore, the people that put those on and when they put those events on successfully don't always get the opportunity mm. to showcase their skills. Event professionals seem to look exactly the same mm. and sound exactly the same and come from exactly the same types of backgrounds. There was a lady on the third episode of the Cashflow Show called Karen Daniel, who runs her own event planning business called Planner at Hand. When I see her, she's had some challenging times in order mm. to really compete, in order to get her brand out there. And she's been an event planner for many, many years and very, very skilled. So it is hard work. It is very difficult. But I think that obviously, I think you're probably more likely to be able to use things like social media yeah. in order to challenge the status quo. Yeah. Um, that's one of my big focuses this year is to increase my personal brand and my awareness within the event industry. So I am attending these events as guest speakers or keynote speakers. I am heavily focused on my marketing strategy to ensure that I'm in front of the right people. So I'm seen and heard um, as a black event professional and the services that I'm doing and the work I'm doing. I'm also reaching out to industry magazines and blogs and news papers to ensure that yes I want to be featured this is something I want to focus on this is one something I want to talk on so those are the, my main key strategies for this year is to be seen and heard as an event industry by doing keynote speaking or guest speaking as well as being featured in industry newsletters magazines and articles yeah because I think I saw something online about you at Confex yeah yes I was um, a, a speaker at um, International Confex which is one of the largest event um events or within the industry <laughs> so. so going back to networking do you think that will pick up going forward because i'm still getting lots of invitations for zoom oh zoom networking and i'm thinking you've got to be joking i don't want to see somebody <laughs> on zoom. no I, I i'm really getting quite annoyed about it actually now. Yeah. um, um i'm just thinking why don't you want to meet human beings what yeah. are you scared of <laughs> uh, that's interesting because I'm getting a lot of people inviting me to in-person networking events so I haven't been to no virtual events this year apart from my client's event that I organised at the beginning of January that was a, um, a webinar a virtual webinar apart from that I haven't been to no virtual networking events it's all in-person events so it's a bit weird that you're saying that maybe they want to save on costs maybe yes. they find that um, this is a better way to bring people together virtually from different um, walks, yes, from different areas within the country. So that is a benefit of doing virtual events, saving on costs as well, and it's better data analytics. So they may want to do virtual events for now um, until Q4, um, so the end of the year, they might do a big in-person one. So I would say maybe the, heavy, heavy, the focus is on saving money, which virtual events you save a lot of money. Right. So, hey, events, it's three years deep now so you're 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 going in that in that positive forward direction mm -hmm. so the question i would ask now is is that what are your plans for the future of the business um for me um my plans would be 
So we're known as the go-to events management company for entrepreneurs and small business owners, helping them to increase their brand awareness through putting on impactful events. Also, I want to establish my online presence through Hey Events Academy to share my knowledge and experiences of event planning to those who want to step in the world of events or need event planning tips. Um, so this online um, eight, um, academy will not only provide them with knowledge and expertise and modules and um, support base in that sense, but they can also um, assist me on um, events, client events, so gaining practical experiences. So I really, really want to support that. Um, and also, I'm from the Caribbean, so I'd love to expand my services in my wonderful countries, Jamaica and Grenada. Excellent. So, where can people find you? And But more importantly, I think before I ask where, where people can find you, what's important to me is what are your current projects that you want to talk about going forward? Because I, I remember reading that you had an ebook or an online course and a mm. masterclass you were thinking about launching. How is that going? Is that still in the pipeline? Yeah, still in the pipeline. Um, I'm just uh, doing a bit more tweaks in terms of the online um, learning video. Um, the ebook's nearly done. So, yes, I'm in the pipeline um, of completing the ebook and the online video. And then I'm hoping to launch it um, mid May. Um, so now I'm just building up my um, email list uh, for those who are interested and keen to know when the ebook and the online video um, drops. Um, but yeah, that's at the moment I'm focused on that and really focusing on attracting those amazing entrepreneurs and small business owners who want to plan an event this year or perhaps next year. Right. So if somebody's decided that they've listened to this and they're not wanting to take my advice of that £30,000 wedding and they've decided, <laughs> they've decided to skip that, how can people get in touch with you? Um, so the first one is LinkedIn. So please do connect with me and follow me on LinkedIn, just Tanique A. Um, I'm very active on my Instagram. So that's Hey Events, H-A-Y Events, all one word. Um, or you can you can email me as well, info at heyevents.co.uk. But yeah, so connect with me, LinkedIn, Instagram, or feel free to email me. And then visit my website as well, which is www.heyevents.co.uk. Excellent. All of this will be in the show notes um, for everybody listening. So at least people can get all that information there and get the spelling of your name, etc. So, Tanik, it's been really great hearing about your story, being, uh, hearing about your journey so far and what you've achieved and getting your perspective on what events are going to be like for 2022 and going forward. You know, thank you very much for taking the time out to do so. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. I enjoyed speaking to you all about what I love, event planning, and my journey to date of being an entrepreneur and business owner. So thank you for having me. You're most welcome and take care. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Bye. We've come to the end of the Cashflow Show for today, but I would like to say thank you to our guests for taking the time to share their knowledge, wisdom and insight. If you loved what you've heard on this week's episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts and leave a five-star review and feedback as it really does help. Whilst you're there, listen to some of our other episodes, which you are bound to enjoy. We want to make this the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world and spreading the word really is the best way to grow our show and our community to achieve greater things. Be sure to join us next time. 
for real people, real business, real talk.